Welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I'm here with Kyle T. Webster, who is an international award-winning illustrator living in North Carolina, who has drawn for the New Yorker, Time, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, Entertainment Weekly, Scholastics, Adobe, Nike, Ideo, um, and many other distinguished editorial, advertising, and publishing institutional clients. He's also the awesome illustrator who collaborated with Baron Fig to create the Trace Journal, a, I'm going to steal some of your words here, a 65-page whimsical, awe-inspiring journal that can be traced, altered, or colored in. It's something I've used personally and really enjoyed. So uh, I'm excited, Kyle, to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm, I'm excited to be here as well, and I look forward to just having a nice chat. Absolutely. So before we get into your story and, and all the work, and we, you know, we've had a few chats back and forth over uh, the last year or so. So, I mean, I can't wait to unpack some of that for, for this audience, but I, I have to start just like I start every episode on this show. And that's just, who are you? You know, who <laughs> defines uh, Kyle right now or what defines Kyle right now in this moment? Um, well, I'm always the same guy I was when I was a little tiny kid who is uh, obsessed with drawing. Um, it's the passion that has carried me through my life and, and brought me the most joy. It's the thing I spend time doing when I have free time to do something. Fortunately, I was able to um, translate that love and that interest into a, a, a career, uh, which I know is something I should never take for granted because it is hard to make it in the arts. We all know this. Um, so that's me. I'm, a, I'm a, someone who likes to draw. Um, I'm someone who also now loves to teach. I, I teach drawing and uh, painting and, and art skills to both students who are uh, at a university here in town where I live, the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. This will be my 11th year teaching there. And I also teach online um, through my employee, Adobe, as a, a creative cloud um, evangelist. And I have live shows there. Um, I have a family with a wife and two kids. And um, we love to travel. She is German, so I have a little, you know, <laughs> a little connection there to to Europe. And we like to get over there. Obviously, COVID has made that difficult, but uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot I could say about yeah. who I am, but I think at the, at the core of it all, I'm someone who likes to create stuff, especially in that form. I like to draw. That's me. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'd add something in there, just knowing you and uh, and having had a few conversations. I mean, there's there's also an authenticity, I think, to just your passion towards your work and, and helping others, whether that's helping people through your work. And like you said, you know, some of the, the teaching and, and students and interns and all of that kind of thing, but also just helping others, you know, connect with other people so that, you know, there's just this collaborative, uh, vibe to uh, to Kyle which is really nice and it, it, you know it's all pointed in a really helpful direction for anyone involved so thank you you're definitely uh on that on that wavelength as well that does that matters a lot to me because it's how I got to where I am in life was through so many people along the way from when I was from the youngest um 
in elementary school all the way through grade school and then college and then after college, um, being able to benefit from the help of others who had almost nothing to gain usually by helping me along, but they just felt like it was a nice thing to do. And um, I try so hard now to remember that and then be that guy to others. And there are lots of ways to do it, which is great now because of the internet. I think you can, you can really help a lot of people. You don't have to meet someone in person. You don't have to be directly involved in their lives. You and I have never met in person, yeah, which is, uh, but yeah, I really love talking to, to you and I, I, I wish you lived closer. I think we'd hang out a lot. Yeah, um, I agree. And, I agree. We are trying to help each other out here and there. And I, I just love it. It's great when you can collaborate. And um, as you know, and everyone said this for many years, there's no better feeling than helping someone else. And when you discover how that feels, it's kind of addictive. Yeah. So how did it all start, Kyle? I mean, who who were you surrounded with to inspire you, I guess, to follow your passion and, and your art? I think it starts with, as with many people, it starts with your parents. My Both of my parents um, were, from the moment I started taking an interest in drawing, three or four years old, just like, my, like many kids, were so encouraging. They would continue to buy me crayons and pencils and things like that. But it was my mom who actually went and bought me a few instructional art books. When I was only six years old, she bought me these Walter T. Foster, which I'm sure this this name means nothing to a lot of people, but these were this, it was a classic series of drawing books um, that tackled every topic you can imagine. And the books okay. I had were How to Draw Horses, um, How to Draw Faces, and then funny enough, I was six, my mom bought me this book, How to Draw the Nude, <laughs> which wow. she just <laughs> flopped it in front of me. And I copied every drawing out of that book, not knowing or caring about, you know, the fact there's a bunch of naked bodies at six years old. You don't care. You just draw what you see. Yeah. And I have to say that that education was so important because my love of figure drawing and of drawing, most of what I draw is figurative, Mm -hmm. started with that book. Wow. So I have to credit her for that. And also she would bring home from the library. um, There's a French comic called uh, Tintin. In English, we say Tintin. Yeah, yeah. And she would bring home these from the library. And um, I had them all the way through my elementary school life. And I just would, I was obsessed with Hergé, the author, and the, those comics for some reason. And so that kind of, in combination with my interest in just drawing in general, made me interested in drawing, but with the narrative. And so I, sure. I would create my own comics and I'd try and create drawings that had a story. And, um, that's it. So I, when I, when I went to college, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with this skill, but I, I do want to study art. And I did, I studied at a regular four-year um, state school, but I just happened to have like many folks luck out. I had one professor at that school who kind of um, broke down everything that I was doing and, and got rid of all the bad habits and kind of built me up from scratch over four years into the person I am today in terms of how I draw. And that was such a cool thing to go through. And um, I don't think a lot of people maybe meet that kind of teacher. It's it's really precious when that happens, and it's it's a special thing. So, and he. What do you also, think that teacher saw, Kyle? Like what? Um, he saw well on the first day of class. He, asked he saw one of your nudes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even show a portfolio because it was a state school with an art fine art department. They didn't require anything like that. Okay. But I came into drawing one, and he was the professor. And, um, 
I think for, for, for one thing he took, he saw how seriously I took everything. I took it so seriously. But the second thing was, um, in the first day or maybe it was the next class, he had us draw from a still life, you know, just some simple cubes and things and um, pyramids and whatnot. And he came around and he would draw on everybody's paper while you were drawing. He'd, he'd push you away and say, no, do this. And then he would sometimes come around and even tear up someone's drawing and say, you're, you're not doing what I said, start over. And even on that first day, kids were crying, you know, they were <laughs> breaking down. And by the second or third week, the class had been pared down to about, you know, maybe a third of what it was. And of course, I was still there. And I was always happy when he would come by and draw on my paper because I wanted to learn. And I think mm. that's where he, it, we just became close friends very early on because he saw that I was completely willing to just get rid of the ego and learn something from someone who clearly knew more than I did. And um, he helped me apply for a program called the Yale Norfolk program, which is a really elite uh, thing where you got 26 students, I believe it is, from around the world who get to go for six weeks to uh, Norfolk, Connecticut through Yale and just do a sort of an eight to nine hour a day intensive, the drawing, painting, wow. printmaking. And I, um, fr from that one experience, I think I just grew leaps and bounds and was able to, when I graduated, have a skill set that might've been probably a lot, a lot better than maybe a lot of other folks who graduate. I, I really was lucky. So. And what was that like? Like, how did you, I, one question I wanted to ask, I mean, maybe this will link into that experience, but like, what does it feel like to finish an illustration or a drawing that you're just super proud of? There haven't been that many. This is the funny thing. I've done thousands and thousands of drawings for clients, you know, and, um, there really are only a handful where, first of all, I felt like I was, I was given the time to, to work on it for before the deadline, you know, yeah, where I could really in, invest in it and make something special. But, um, when you do finish something that you absolutely love, most of my art friends, I know they'll, this happens to them once in a blue moon that they'll, they'll say, Oh my gosh, everything about this worked out. My vision for it was was true to what actually wound up on the paper, on the canvas, whatever. It is so uh, rewarding. I can't explain the feeling um, because, first of all, you know that you made it. And, of course, we all mm -hmm. love when we create something and it works out. Um, so you've got that part of it. But there's also this feeling that you somehow hit a new, um, a new level. And that, those are the pieces I remember. You've completed something, you're so satisfied with it, but when you look at it, you know, a few years later, A, you still like it, which is very rare. And I think that goes for anybody who makes anything. You yeah. look at your old work and a lot of times you're sort of disappointed and think, oh, I'm so much better now. But there are a few things you may have made even decades ago where you say, that's still good. So there's that. But there's also this clear um, moment there where you see that you grew a little. You, something changed where you figured something out that you then added to your toolkit and that then um, took you to a new level. And that is just so cool because you don't want to stagnate, which is actually one of the things I uh, wanted to talk about, which is asking yourself, you know, from time to time, am I stagnating mm. you know, in whatever I'm doing? It doesn't have to be a professional thing, but, you know, you should check on that. Well, let's stay there. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no uh, script to this show. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess 
how do you identify those moments? Like what are the triggers for you? And then what do you do in those moments? Well, first of all, I think when you are in that place where you, you are starting to stagnate, um, it's going to have an impact on other parts of your life, your, your, your mood. You're going to start to feel less excited about not just work or whatever it happens to be, but everything. You're, when, when you start to get to that point where you have no new stimuli or you're not challenging yourself in some way to learn something new or to overcome a new problem or adjust to a new environment, a new situation, um, that is, I don't think it's healthy. I think it, it starts to be something that um, drains you a little bit. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of autopilot, like going right. through just being on autopilot. Right. So easy to do that. And I think we, we see that as being something to, uh, oftentimes it's a goal. I want to get to this place where everything works and I'm just, I can just sit back and kick back and everything's great. And in reality, that is not a great place to be, I don't think, at least not for too long, because it yeah. really starts to um, hurt you. So I look for that. I say, how do I feel right now? And if I notice, well, I'm really, I'm not growing and for me, a lot of times I'll notice that in, in what I'm doing artistically, of course. Um, but I also think about my family and we, we just this week made a huge change like that, which I'm sure a lot of parents right now because of the school situation are just stressed out of their minds. Yeah. Um, we went through about a three week period of, of no sleep, just panicking about what to do with the school situation. And at the very last minute, literally two days to go, pulled our kids out of the school that they were going to go to and moved them to a completely new school. They've been in the same school since kindergarten mm. and uh, seven years. And we just felt like it was a stagnant thing. They so comfortable there. They knew everybody year after year. And I think we just sort of said, it's time for a change. And it was a change for the whole family. And we're all suddenly we're, invigorated by this change you know we're scared too but it's like a good kind of scared i think how did the kids react to this do they do they like you or hate you at this point the great thing <laughs> is that they didn't realize okay that this was happening but the moment they took a tour of the new school and the moment they you know got their supplies together and were ready for day one which was literally this morning um they were just full of excitement full of excitement um Awesome. And I can't wait to see what happens. So hopefully it works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we'll do a follow-up episode. Uh, okay. So, I mean, you're essentially, you're taking some time in, in reflection to just pause a little bit and see kind of where, where you're at and then tapping into, I, I, I wrote down, there's a question there, just like, how am I feeling? Right. Or how do I feel right now? Yeah. And seeing, you know, what the answer is to that, to then, you know, just make a shift whatever that may be, it doesn't matter whether it's in your work or personal life, but I think that's a good, I think it's a good prompt. And that's why I love questions so much because it, it allows us for that pause. Yes. Yes. That is so, it's so rare if you're not really actively thinking about taking a couple minutes to do that. Right. And it can be hard to do on your own. I'm glad, you know, my wife, for example, I'm, I'm really glad that she and I, I can ask her, um, Things like, how do you feel right now, just in general, about where we are as a family, where we where we live, what we do day to day, and we can have these high level conversations about um, our lives, and 
oftentimes it's one of us telling the other, I, I, I think it's time for a change. And the other person not even realizing that that's a good idea. But then when they hear it and start to think about it, they go, oh, yeah, yeah. that is a good idea. You know, and then you're aligned and then you, you start to attack the problem and figure out how to change it. Um, okay. I am not a big risk taker. I've always liked the idea of, of sort of um, if I'm going to change something, I like to investigate a lot. I like to look into things. Um, but it doesn't mean I'm not like everyone else who, who uh, you know, benefits from change. And so um, I've, I heard one time, and I don't know where I heard this, that after seven years, you're supposed to have some kind of change in your life. You know, have you heard this too? Or yeah, I've heard this specifically with careers. Ah, okay. That, you know, if you're at a, usually more in the corporate world, if you're at a company around seven to definitely not over 10, but seven to 10 years, that, that mark usually is the window where people, uh, either completely change companies or careers. It's like, it seems like you, you've gotten to a certain place where, you know, if you're, if you're staying somewhat in, within the same realm of your work that I guess you've you've developed enough skill and confidence that you need a, a kind of a major shakeup to, yeah. to try something different or new. Hello friends. I've got something for you that I've personally seen and continue to see the benefits from in my sleep and mood. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your mind race with anxious thoughts when you lie down to fall asleep or those thoughts are the first thing you think about when waking up? Please tell me I'm not the only one because I'd like to think that I'm human like the rest of you. But I am happy to say that not only has my sleep improved, but those looping thoughts have almost completely vanished since I started taking two capsules of magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers before going to bed. As it turns out, magnesium is extremely important for mental and neurological health. Studies have shown that magnesium deficiency causes animals to be stressed and anxious, and in humans, a low magnesium diet is associated with anxiety and depression. Now you might be taking magnesium already, and so was I, but here's what I didn't know. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I am pumped and highly recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. And of course, I'd like to thank the team over at Bioptimizers for supporting this episode and improving my sleep and mental health, and hopefully yours as well. So to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough, use the code BEHINDTHEHUMAN10 over at magbreakthrough.com slash behindthehuman. All of this is in the show notes. I'm serious. This stuff is the real deal. So message me after you try it because I'd love to hear about your results. Now back to the show. You know, one of the things I love about traveling is that feeling of being completely lost and unable to just do when you yeah. get to a place. And that unfortunately, we're losing that because with Google Maps and everything else now in Google Translate, it's actually kind of hard to be really lost. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do remember that when I was younger in college, you know, traveling and winding up in a place where I didn't speak the language and didn't know where I was going. And it's really thrilling. It's a little scary, but it's just so exciting to try and problem solve like that. And, yeah. um, I think that we need more of that, uh, not all the time because that can be stressful too, but sure from time to time. So, so how do you thing. find that in your work, Kyle? Like what's, do you have anything 
that yeah. you do consistently to just make sure that you're you're not stagnant, that you're I don't know, learning different styles or I'm not sure what the language sure. would be in, in your your line of work, but yeah, let me know. Well, for me, it's lots of things. I, I then that's the beautiful thing about visual art is I can go in so many different directions when I feel like I've been doing this thing over and over again. I need something new. An example would be um, for me learning more about anatomy. I love drawing the figure, mm. but after all these years, I couldn't tell you more than like ten or twelve muscle names, sure. you know, and and barely any bones or any <laughs> all these things. So I started a couple of years ago, I said, I'm finally going to do this. I'm going to sit down and educate myself. And I got anatomy books and I started drawing from the anatomy and I paid for a, an online course. Um, and I'm starting to build up this, this new knowledge base, which is really exciting. Another example is what kind of art am I making and for what purpose? About four years ago, I felt like I'm so tired of drawing for magazines. I want to see if I can break into the book market. I had no connections, no way to do it. So it was this big problem to solve. And so I, I got into it and I started trying to figure out how to solve that problem. I, I learned about it. I learned that you need an agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't have one, it's tough. I figured out, well, how do you get an agent? So every little, every little question led to a new question and then a new problem to solve. But I You know, did there's a method it. to that, uh, yes. Kyle. It's called the Socratic method. <laughs> it is the Socratic uh, method. You're right. A little personal <laughs> plug. Uh, absolutely. It absolutely no, so is the You're right. You're absolutely right. Right. Um, I wish I had a book that could help me. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> with, with that. Um, anyway, yeah, it worked out. I, I finally got it done. But it, it took me about two years to really figure out how to make that work. And when it did, yeah. it was such a great feeling. And um, I think, you know, that was how I got into making iPhone games too. Just okay. something completely new. I knew nothing about and just said, I want to figure that out. Sure. Um, and I do that. So professionally, it hasn't been that hard to keep that going in our personal lives. It's a little harder sometimes. You're following your curiosity. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm lucky that my parents let me do that too. When I was younger, if I was interested in something always, it was, well, let's go to the library and let's get a book about that. You know, I love it. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. So then, how did the Baron Fig project and Trace did it? That did that come up in the same light of looking for something different? Like, how did that whole project uh, spark? And then we should probably provide the listeners with uh, a little description of what Trace is. Sure, sure. Uh, um, my manager at Adobe at the time, Koi Vin, uh, who's a brilliant designer, design director. Um, he had done a, a book through Baron Fig, um, and I had seen it, and I thought, "Oh, that's neat." Um, I, I hadn't heard of Baron Fig at the time. I looked up, I looked them up, and I said, "This is the this is really cool. I love what they're doing. I want to get in on this. I want to figure out how to make something <laughs> like like this that is that is completely that no one else would publish, basically." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had again, this is a new thing. Nobody, um, I had never done a book that, but wasn't a picture book or that wasn't something someone else had written. And I, this was an opportunity to create something from scratch um, and and work with a company who I knew would be interested in in the same kinds of things I'm interested in. And that's a rare thing, you know, to find yeah. creative partners like that. And that's how, so I, I reached out to Joey and I just said, I, I, I real, I'm an artist, I'm an illustrator, but I also like to make things that are different. 
and I see that you do the same, and I want to make something for your audience, for your customers, and collaborate with you on something. And that just kicked off the conversation. And we um, threw some ideas back and forth, different kinds of journals, different kinds of themes, until we arrived at Trace. Um, and what Trace is, is a way to, I think, promote um, having a little meditation time or a meditative activity that allows you to draw, but not with that pressure, especially for people who don't consider themselves artists of just staring at a blank page and then trying to yeah. create an image. What we give you is an image already very faintly printed on every page of the, of the notebook. And you can simply follow along the lines. And in the story I recently did for Instagram for Baron Fig, I showed ways to use trace um, where you do not have to simply literally trace everything that's on the page. You can actually trace part of something and draw a line to a separate part of the drawing and then trace some more. And you, you wind up with very abstract, interesting patterns. It's another way to use it. Mm. You can also add your own drawings to the drawing, or you can simply trace it all and then color it in. Whatever you happen to do, though, you're engaging that part of your brain um, that people try to access whenever they are trying to get into a, a meditative state where you are calming certain things, uh, certain functions and certain parts of the brain down, and you are not necessarily blocking things out, but allowing those things to exist in a way that isn't distracting because yeah. our brains are very active. You know, um, The focus that's required and the quiet that's required to do it is um, beneficial for, yeah, for your heart rate and for your breathing. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, and it's just, I mean, uh, hearing the backstory, it makes sense now just how it came about and how you pitch, you know, your work about making things different and whatnot. Like I haven't seen something like this before. And, uh, before you and I even met, I mean, I've, I've shared this with you before, but the, the I don't think the listeners have heard this, but I, I was using trace right for my morning writing sessions for, for the book, personal Socrates. Cause it was that, you know, for the mornings that just, I wasn't feeling it. You know, it was the last thing I wanted to do was dive into writing or I just didn't feel like there was anything to come out type thing. I just pause and literally take a few minutes with Trace and do one page, you know, not not thinking about it, but just essentially following your lead because you're the one that <laughs> illustrated those. But it was just, you know, it was just the right amount of creative spark that I needed early in the morning to energize myself, to get my mind into that into that realm. And, and now I continue to use it and I use it with my, my, I have one and my five-year-old has one who's always drawing something and, uh, you that. know, we do it together. So it's just, you know, it's a beautiful experience that can be used to your point used in so many different ways. And there's just no yeah. downside to doing it, you know? And I love hearing that how you're using it and uh, that makes my day. And I did forget to mention that um, I wouldn't have had any idea for Trace, at least in its current form, in the form in which it exists, rather. I, I would not have been able to do it had I not already started at that point doing guided meditations because I think, you know, I talked about this, but I, I, I always wanted to be good at meditating. Okay. And I realized after a while that I was unable to meditate in quiet and without some guidance or some help or some activity. And so I discovered that drawing for me is the best and most effective meditative activity that I have um, and wanted to figure out how to pass that along to sure. other people, which 
then led to my wanting to take it further and create an app uh, for that, for meditative drawing. And it's, it's all just coming together now in a very organic way. And I've done some workshops with Trace where I teach little meditative drawing workshops. And I love it because what I'm realizing is that I'm not alone, that, that other people, when they find a way to do this, these drawing activities, um, that has, there's no pressure, there's no judgment. Yeah. You, you are just in it, uh, for that focus and for that, that, that moment where you, you are doing that one thing. Yeah. The, I see it when they're done with the workshop that they are feeling great. And, um, it just encourages me to keep going with this idea. Well, I think you nailed it with the, the, the notion of the, it removes the pressure. Cause yes. I mean, as non, uh, as a non-artist or someone that doesn't draw right for uh for a living or or, or considers themselves good at drawing which, which would be me um there's a lot of pressure to look at a blank page yes you know that's the last thing i would want to do so even if uh even if i'm not adding to it or doing anything unique and literally just tracing what you've already outlined i mean it already looks good right so there's a yeah. sense of accomplishment and you're getting all the benefits of the process you are. Um, and uh, I, I think that the demystification of drawing um, is also something I'm interested in, but that's a separate thing. Sure. But I, I would love for more people to take basic draftsmanship classes in their lives without any reason other than to simply do it. I, mm. I always feel like people have, uh, have to have a reason to do everything. Well, yeah. that doesn't benefit me in this way. Therefore, why should I bother? Um, yeah. You know, they used to teach drawing just like they taught, um, and I mean traditional drawing skills, fundamentals of drawing in two dimensions and three dimensions, was part of the curriculum okay. in schools leading up to all the way up to the 20th century, at which point it fell apart. But draftsmanship was, was just something as, that you learned as a skill in the same way you would learn a foreign language or whatever else. Yeah. Um, and those days are gone now, but I would love to see some return to that where people just have a little bit of a basic understanding of, of how to draw what's around them, like representational drawing. This is how you suggest volume and how you suggest perspective and these things, because there's a process to it that is in no way strange or weird or relying on any amount of talent. It's, yeah, it's just pure practice and method. Yeah. Um, which I, I just, I love that. I, I love demystifying it. So um, maybe I, you know, want to make a book about that too someday down the road. <laughs> well, I would support that one because I mean, the big, the big one on my side is just, I really wish, and you know, there are, it's starting to shift, but I wish that there were more wellness type mindfulness uh, type courses and, and, and just insight into what's possible with this stuff. Like it, you know, it's like I said, it's starting to come, but it's by no means like just like you're learning maths or sciences or anything like that. And I mean, there's so much pressure, obviously, in, in yeah. just life in general. So this this kind of combines two of those things. Like it's a it drawing and and that whole craftsmanship is just like a life skill that you know you may not want to do that for your career, but it's something you can always use for the creative element, but then also that relaxation element, right? That we've been talking about. Yes. All right. Hello, friends. I have something to admit to you all. I am no longer recording this show out of my Mini Cooper. 
and surprise if you didn't know that. Thanks to the awesome humans over at Loop Phone Booths. I'm recording two podcasts in their flex booth at home. I'm also recording my audiobook, Personal Socrates, in this booth while my five-year-old is running around downstairs screaming, being a five-year-old. The booth rocks. So if you're looking for a space to take calls, record in, or just find a little quiet in your day, check them out. They're over at loopphonebooths.com. Now back to the show. If people, instead of pulling out their phone from their pocket when they have to wait for 10 minutes to do something, perhaps in a doctor's office, whatever it happens to be, um, were, had a little sketchbook with them and they had to just draw something that was nearby. Maybe it's just a chair, but they want to try and accurately draw, slowly and accurately just draw the shapes that they see of that chair. That 10-minute activity, I guarantee, is so much better for their brains, for their health. Oh, yeah. Than doom scrolling on their phone. Um, wouldn't it be cool if people could do more of that? I, I just yeah. think it would be so, so helpful. Um. <laughs> well, I feel like you've got the uh, the approval and the push to start that book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, we, we need that. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of practices and whatnot on that, and just mental fitness and things like that, I'd love to know a little bit more about uh, what you do personally. I mean, obviously you, you talked a bit about meditation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, linking in drawing and whatnot. I'd actually like to ask a question on that one specifically, because I wonder sometimes we just need a break from what we're doing all day. So I like, how do you, how do you work through the aspect that that you're using drawing for your your meditation because that's what works for you but that's also you know what you're doing day in and day out like is, <laughs> is that a problem for you or is there a way that you inject other practices or other things so that you know it doesn't feel like you're just drawing nonstop all the time I draw now more for pleasure than ever before in my life because I don't draw as much for clients it's interesting I hmm. when I had my own business and my business was drawing from, from morning till night. Um, I wouldn't draw for fun. I, I unless I was on vacation, okay. which is funny because then I would take a sketchbook and I would draw sketches of my family or whatever we were looking at at the time. Um, but, but yeah, uh, when I joined Adobe, my job description changed very much. And I became more of sort of an in-house consultant, if you will, on things having to do with drawing and painting and so on. Um, and what wound up happening was I went back to just picking up my, in this case, now I draw an iPad, but picking up my iPad and using it as a personal sketchbook and starting to just doodle again and starting to just draw these stream of consciousness things. And, um, trace is that by the way, all the drawings in trace were stream of consciousness drawings that never had a sketch behind them. They were just somewhere I would put the pen down and start drawing. Um, and it was so, so fun. And so just, I felt like I was a kid again. And, um, so I've rediscovered that, that joy that comes from drawing with no, um, no person on the other end demanding that I draw a specific thing or me trying to solve a client's problem. Sure. Uh, so, but so to answer your question, when I was drawing every day, I actually didn't balance it very well. Okay. Um, the one exception was my, the picture book I made, which is something I always wanted to do. I put everything on hold and did not accept any other jobs so that when I was drawing the picture book, I was excited about it. And I was really pouring a lot of effort into each drawing. Um, 
And that made a big smart. difference. That made yeah, a big that's difference. very smart. Yeah. Are there, so what, are there any other things that you have in your regular routine or any rituals or anything like that, that, you know, I guess you could link to stillness for your mind or, you yeah. know, it's not stillness reflection. because I'm moving, but walking for me is, is just vital. Yeah. And I, you know, and I don't, I, I mean, walking as a separate activity from any other kind of exercise I might do. Like I love tennis, uh, but, but apart from the other kind of exercise I do, there's something about walking. I don't know what it is, but it helps me not just calm down. I always come back from a walk and feel better about everything. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it's like magic, right? It's, it's the, one of the easiest magic tricks yeah. you can. It's kind of amazing, like medicine, really. You just go for a walk. However, um, I think it's, it's made better if you can walk in some kind of environment that's more like a, na- a nature environment, mm-hmm. I, and I'm lucky that I have a trail, literally a five-minute walk from, from where we live. There's a little wooded trail that I can walk through. And the second thing I would recommend, in addition to the nature, uh, is to not listen to something. As yeah, much as I love walking and listening to a podcast or having a podcast on the very... Um, if you don't have anything going on, your brain will find a way to eventually just kind of settle into yeah. the moment. And of course, it might race around for a while, and that's natural. But if you do a nice walk, 45 minutes or so, eventually it's going to get to a place where you're in the sort of a half, you're conscious, but you're also just kind of zoning out in a really beautiful, wonderful way. Um, and you come up with ideas that way completely by accident. It's like uh, John Cleese, the you know, Monty Python co-founder and, and famous comedian or whatever, has talked about how um, not trying to actively solve problems in your life will help you solve them if you go for a walk or do some other activity that's kind of repetitive and mundane or whatever. Uh, normally, the, your brain will in the background still kind of be noodling on that problem, and then it'll present the solution to you when you're not ready or not, not actively seeking it out, rather. Totally. Well, I mean, so much, so many of us resonate with the the whole notion of having like I, ideas popping up uh, in the shower, mm-hmm. or perfect, uh, yeah, right. And it, it, like, and there there are other examples, obviously, but I think the the consistent element is that we're giving time and space for our minds to yeah. rest and surface because it's not like all of that stuff is there. It's just we're we're allowing the the clarity to to form and blow out all the mental fog that is in our mind while we're you know rushing for the next meeting or thinking of the next problem or or all of these things right so yeah. you go out, for me it's always a recipe it seems i go out for the walk and the first little bit is just getting calm and i feel like clarity kind of seek starts seeking it or slipping in and then all of a sudden you start to your point, you start seeing things, mm-hmm. you know, like around you and, and then you start seeing things in your mind as well. And like, you know, now I'm taking notes almost like as I'm walking. <laughs> right. And you know, it's, it's a beautiful magic to that. And, and I think it's, it's highly uh, underrated walking. There's not a lot of people that talk about it other than when you, when you go back to like ancient texts and whatnot, they're walking all the time Yes. For, with that same intent, not just because they're walking, because, you know, that was probably the, one of the primary methods of transportation, but walking specifically for their minds and subcapacity. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you look at period piece, uh, those novels, well, don't they always with the Jane Austen books and everything talk about the daily constitutional? They're, 
you know, yeah. <laughs> and there are, we're, oh, we're going to go and um, take a turn, you know, we're going to take a turn around the property or, and it's always this, this thing that I, yep. and I used to think, okay, I guess I had nothing else to do, but then you realize probably it wasn't, it wasn't just for that, you know, I had nothing else to do. It really was something that they all realized was beneficial. Um, for sure. And yeah. we do it as a family all the time. You know, we'll just take a little stroll. That's more social. That's different. But we do still always come back from it feeling just happy, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, it, it's hard to find. It's very hard to find quiet moments because we're bombarded by everything that's screaming at us from our, our devices now. So yeah, uh, this is this is something you have to make time for. Totally, totally. And yeah. I mean, just the benefits are there. It's um, in, in multiples, right? So I will also say hammocks. Hammocks are great. Sure. <laughs> we do have a hammock. And I mean, that's nothing better than just if the weather's right to just lie out there for 30 minutes. You don't have to do it for like a four hour nap or something, but yeah, to just lie down and look up at the sky or look at the treetops or whatever it is and just do that for a while. Listen to the wind, you know? Nature is a beautiful thing that, you know, we all have access to in some capacity that, I mean, if you really start looking around and listening and experiencing nature, everything is designed to, to work perfectly together. I mean, that in itself is, yeah. we, we just keep screwing up that process as humans and injecting, <laughs> you know, messing with, uh, you know, mother nature in so many different ways. But if you always go back to it and see how things are interacting with each other and just looking at a tree and the detail that's there, I mean, it's, uh, it's really a beautiful thing. And I find that trains your mind then to also be more curious and see the detail in everything else in your life, including your work. It's this, this yes. to me, that's the mental fitness. Kids are so good at that. Kids do it naturally. They don't have to be taught. Yeah. They you're are right. constantly aware of every little detail in their environment and pointing it out to you and, and announcing it all the time. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> and did you, you know, it's great, but I don't know what happens to us that we lose that. Are we just so used to it that we forget that it's great. I don't know. It's, it's something that's hard to recapture. So I try and pay attention to them doing that and try, I try and pull from them. There definitely is a point where we try to go back. Yes, of course, but it's not that easy. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, Kyle, I want to respect your time. So I'm going to grab your prompts and uh, let you go, get back to your day and hopefully maybe take a walk or quick <laughs> little rest in the hammock. But do you have any, um, did you give any thought to a couple of reflective questions? I've got a few here, actually. Am I stagnating? How do I feel right now? But any, yeah. any prompts that are, uh, that circulate in your mind, either on a frequent basis or during big life-changing decisions and, and moments? Yeah, sure. Am I stagnating is a big one. Um, and then we talked about teaching and everything. I, I do want to check every now and then and ask myself if I'm making any kind of positive difference in mm. other people's lives. It's very easy to just get so, so self-absorbed that, you know, you forget that it'd be nice to be part of a community and actually contribute something. So teaching, I'm fortunate that I get to teach because that kind of just checks that box. And really the rewards there are uh, just so many. There's nothing better than teaching. I love it. Yeah. Um, and, but the big one for me lately is, and this is important as I get older too, is am I listening to my body? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I need to do that a lot. Just stop and see. Am, I mean, because stress manifests itself in physical form, you know, yeah. so many ways. And I, I, I'll catch myself and I'll have to really stop and listen. And then as hard as it is sometimes 
turn away work projects or say no to things. Um, sometimes say no to, to people, you know, some people will, will, will take energy from you, mm-hmm. not in a good way. And it's, it's difficult yeah. to, to, to separate yourself from those people. But um, yeah, especially as I get older, I've sort of, my friend, the number of friends I had has shrunk to only yeah. the ones where we both give each other energy and we lift yeah. each other up and um, my body That's will tell one. me, yeah, when these things are not happening. Well, in rela- relationships are tough because especially, you know, the ones that have been around for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, that question of the question I usually ask is, you know, is this relationship giving or taking energy? from me. Right. And, you know, in those situations where, you know, the, the energy is being depleted, it's tough because there's history there, but at the same time, I, I, what I find helpful, at least, and I've learned this just through other guests on the show is that it's okay to let a relationship fizzle that is no longer serves you anymore. And it's not to say, you know, you'd be grateful for the, the memories and the times and what, you know, both parties are, uh, have gotten out of that relationship, but it's okay to uh, acknowledge that, you know, maybe things have shifted and life has happened, right? And, and just let that relationship naturally fizzle. And it doesn't have to be this big breakup or, uh, no. <laughs> you know, big, big scenario, but just let that acknowledge that, okay, this one, this one's not healthy for me anymore and, and just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've, and I've had that happen more times in the last um, decade, I would say, than before. Just okay. as we've all changed and it's okay. It's okay to just let it go and no problem. It's it, everyone's healthier for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kyle, I want to thank you uh, first and foremost for your time at jamming on the show, but a, a bigger thank you for just your continued work and dedication in your art and your craft, because you're helping so many other people on the other side. And, you know, Trace is one example, but just through your teaching and your talks and, and just, causing a reaction on the other side when you put a piece of, of, of art out there in, in some of your work. So thank you for that. I mean, it has such a huge ripple effect in the world. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really just doing what I enjoy. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> I'm glad it helps others too. Awesome. Awesome.